0: Welcome to The Disenfranchised, helping you to find a career path away from employment by exploring the franchise community. My name's Ed Pennell, and I'll be speaking with the entrepreneurs, experts, and leaders from across the franchise community, discovering their life stories and hearing their tips for success away from the typical 9 to 5 grind. On this episode, I'm speaking with Maddie Alexander Grout of My VIP Card. Maddie is somebody who seems to have more time than everybody else. She is very busy on LinkedIn Clubhouse is passionate about helping save the high streets about supporting others in building their own businesses um, she's also passionate about employee engagement and is a multi award winning entrepreneur honestly I don't know how she fits in so much into her day because she also uh, has children to bring up as well around this so I think this is going to be a really interesting conversation for for you to find out what Maddie's like what she's doing in her business and how she goes about managing her day. Uh, we cover quite a few topics but I think the main thing that shows through is her her, her passion and energy. So uh, grab that tea, grab that coffee. I hope you enjoy and um, here we go. So Maddy, hi, thank you for joining us and welcome to The Disenfranchised. How are you?
1: Good, thanks Ed. Thanks for having me. How are you doing?
0: Yeah, I'm doing very well. Well, uh, getting over a cold slightly, so uh, my voice might be a little bit off, but um, hopefully you're doing all right. And uh, h- how are you finding uh, the world today, being being locked in in February?
1: It's, um, do you know what, actually, this lockdown is probably nicer for me than it, than the last one because I've managed to get rid of my children. Um Obviously, somewhere nice. They've gone to a childminder, not anywhere um, But it's it's good. I'm I'm actually been really productive. I don't think I've ever been busier in my business. So it it's it's kind of crazy, but um, we're supporting lots of small businesses who are not so lucky. So um, it's it's an interesting one this time around.
0: Yeah, I think everybody's experiencing something different this time. I th- I'd say I think last time was there was a, seemed to be more energy in the world, but this time around. I'm feeling like everyone's got a bit of a, oh, come on, we just want this over and done with now. But uh, hey. I don't think there's
1: anyone in the world that would disagree with you on that sentence. It is. It's been really tough for people. And you know my my main aim in life is to help small businesses. You know, we're seeing a lot of them struggle. So it, it's, it's quite hard to see. I can't wait to be able to go and support them in person. Yeah.
0: Be great won't it and um, I've got a few questions for you around that but um before before we go into kind of the work that you're doing at the moment I wanted to uh, start like I do on all of these podcasts and and ask you where your career started so what was your first job?
1: So um my first job was actually in retail um I developed a really really big passion for retail after that because I saw what people went through but I started at WH Smith's on the stationery counter selling pens um wow. it was it was actually a really good job I really enjoyed it. Uh, I won. I won a one hundred percent mystery shopper award, uh, which was, I think, my first award. Gave me a bit of a bug for them. Um, yeah. yeah, it was. It was a. It was a lovely place to work, um, and I was paid three pound nine an hour.
0: Three pound nine. Wow. That. Mm-hmm. That's quite a bit of money, though. Know, I, I, I guess. In you know, I know my first wage was about two pound two pound fifty an hour. So you know, don't don't feel too bad about it. But I'm, showing I'm my quite- age. <laughs> <laughs> well i'm quite impressed that there was a uh, pen counters at wh smith so I, I, I only have a vague recollection but i couldn't imagine that in today's world you know people going in and, and just buying pens like that
1: i think i think they still have them i mean i'm not going to say these weren't bicks by any stretch of the imagination <laughs> these were like um, and it was it was a really really great foundation for my career in sales because you know when uh, when you go to um, to interviews and you get interviewed in sales they're like sell me this pen I'm like all right then I'm an expert <laughs> at that so uh, <laughs> it was it was quite good um, but they were really expensive like hundred and fifty pound Parker pens that kind of thing so they kind of had to keep them under lock and key because there were lots of slightly unscrupulous people in the town of Andover where I lived and I think they had to lock them up.
0: Fantastic so was that a job that you chose or was it just something you kind of fell into when you was that age?
1: Uh, I've, I met some people at, um, at, at, at a with a, like sort of through a friend of a friend I think and they introduced me and they said yeah you'd be really good for this job do it um, and actually it started my I, I was in retail for about four years I went and worked at, at Iceland at the supermarket as a, a checkout lady for a while um, and then I went to Claire's Accessories and I, I loved that job really really good so it's so actually I had had a good good four-year stint in retail at the beginning of my career and it was fun.
0: Perfect so h- how's your career progressed then from from there to, to where you are now as a, a franchisor supporting retail businesses?
1: It's it's been a, a an interesting journey actually so um, so I went to university um, to do media studies I always wanted to be a radio presenter Um it was just just kind of what what I, I felt that I was good at and really really loved talking I still do Uh, which is why clubhouse is amazing for me but um, I kind of uh, didn't really do that well at uni I went and I like to say I'm I'm not one of those morons that says oh I've got a degree in life Um, but I basically did go and I drank my way through six years of university came out with nothing um, and actually then started a, a career in training so I went to work okay. for a call centre, um, British Gas Call Centre up, up north in Warrington, and I was really good at selling. In fact, my first interview was, can you sell me a pen? So I got the job <laughs> really easily um, and then became quite a good salesperson selling gas and electricity. Um, really, really tough job. Um, and they, they found that their trainer wasn't, um, wasn't very well. So they asked me to step in and help to train people. So I... Developed a passion for helping people, and the training side was just really fun. So I kind of went down that route, and then I worked in recruitment training. Um, I moved on to, um, you know, six, I did twelve years in recruitment for my sins. Um, was was very good at that. I had a, a started a failed business. I started a recruitment agency on my own. Didn't realise that actually I was terrible at running my own business at that time. I learned so much from it because when you, when you fail at something, you know, I, I'm the sort of person that just goes, well, that was annoying. I'll pick myself up and I'll go and start again and try and do something else. Um, so I went to work in internal recruitment, training, development, um, and I found out I was getting made redundant. And I'd actually, um, I would had quite a, a nasty um, spell with mental health um, when my son was born and I'd set up um, a parenting forum to help people to kind of support their local community to help parents with their mental health. And my VIP card was born from me feeling so much better being out and about visiting local businesses. Um, it was great for my mental health, but I also realized that I really liked helping small businesses to get customers as well. So I started my VIP card in 2017. It was going really well. We started in Hampshire and um, we had. Southampton, Portsmouth, Basingstoke, Winchester, and it was it was growing. We had about two hundred businesses who were advertising with us. It was it seemed like it was growing quite significantly, um, and I decided at the back end of um, of two thousand and eighteen that actually I was going to franchise. It didn't didn't kind of materialise for quite a while, um, and actually I I got into franchising through a, a friend um, Sean Goldsmith who is. Brilliant in the franchising world, um, and he said to me after I won quite a big award, he said, "Maddie, you need to franchise your business," um, and I was like, "I don't even know what franchising is." Um, you know, that's like McDonald's and Subway, right? And he was like, "Wrong. Um, you can franchise any type of business, and you know, yours is really, really suitable." You know, you you can split it up into areas, you can get people managing different areas, and actually, it will be a really good way for you to grow. And he was so right. So. Um, we franchised in January last year. Um, I got my first franchisee six days before the pandemic, um, which was very, very tough. Trying to train a new franchisee when our product kind of dropped off the face of the earth was um, was a little bit difficult. Um, and and actually the you know kind of the the journey that we had from there was was crazy. We decided that it was unrealistic to expect everybody who joined our franchise to pay our six grand fee yeah. so we kind of came up with a new model which we call the house model which has been incredibly incredibly successful over the last year so we now have 23 franchisees in wow. um, just over a year big growth really big growth but because of the way we're doing it we make it really accessible for um for people to join us and our target audience are, you know, mainly, mainly mums. We we do have we do have quite a lot of men actually who have joined us now just because they're passionate about saving money and they're passionate about shopping local. So it's really, really good. Um, but we we offer an affordable way for people to get in. Um so if you think about um shared ownership, this is why we call it the house model. You've yeah. got a, a purchase, you can buy a house outright, um, you know, you can borrow to buy it, or you can just buy it if you've got the capital. So that's that's how you how we sell our normal franchise. But we've also got um, basically a buy to um, sort of like a a part buy part rent. So they pay a £250 deposit to join and then we charge them £50 a month Um, and that £50 a month that they pay gets knocked off if they decide they want to buy the franchise outright. So it's kind of like a, a try before you buy and it's worked so well for us because we've had franchisees who you know we, we take on people who are passionate and we give everybody a chance and as long as they're you know the right kind of team fit yeah, yeah. It's, and it's, it's just been really great and, and people really like the fact that they don't have to have a really significant amount of money put by um, and we just have a slightly different commission scheme for people um, who are renting to, compared to people who are, who are actually full franchise owners so we've got a bit of a mix of, of both now and it, it's just been wonderful.
0: Yeah, it's, it's great. It's impressive that it's grown that quickly, but you can understand why when there's that that low barrier to entry. Um, I'm going to have some more questions on that in a moment. But before I before I do, there, there was something you mentioned that, that I, f- I felt was quite interesting. So you, you tried to start your own recruitment business and um, you said it, it, it failed at the time you perhaps weren't ready. So I just wondered what challenges you, you faced that meant you, you weren't successful because... You know, obviously, yeah. if you were successful before working for somebody else, why weren't you successful yeah. doing that same thing for yourself?
1: I was. Um, it, it's funny, actually, I, I was a really I don't I really don't want to be one of those blow your own trumpet type of people. But I was I was an award winning recruiter. I was the top biller on the South Coast for my business that I worked for. Um, I had some really big corporate clients. So I was working with um, with Aviva and Carnival and um, the NHS like really really big kind of well-known companies and when I went to work on my own I automatically assumed that all of my big businesses would follow me because they liked me and you know I wasn't wrong they did like me they did want to work with me but businesses of that size don't work with tin pot tiny little recruitment companies that don't really know their ass from their elbow (laughs) um so you know it, it, it it wasn't that I was that I was in a, a bad situation where I, you know, my, my clients didn't follow me because they wanted to. It was the fact that I didn't have the, the support and the infrastructure behind the recruitment agency to really be able to support bigger businesses. So it was really tough. I bought myself some amazingly cool purple chairs. Um, I had a really cool, funky looking office and I had all the bells and whistles. I had all the recruitment software that I needed. Um, I put myself through the, the rec accreditation exam and, it, it was a, it was a really good learning curve because I knew I was good at it, but it doesn't mean necessarily that if you're good at something, you can start a business doing it because it's not that easy. Um, you know, there are so many things that you do need to take into consideration before you start your own business. And, but my gosh, it was a really, really good learning curve for setting up my VIP card. I knew all of the things not to do. So I didn't get myself an office straight away. Um, now I'm in a really, really awesome co-working space, but it's it's affordable for me and you know you don't need to go and buy a flashy new office just because you've got a new business um you don't need to buy really nice purple chairs um (laughs) which ended up being donated to my local radio station because i had nowhere to keep them after i closed my business (laughs) um so it was it it was interesting um and and it it was a great um a great kind of view into what the self-employed world would look like yeah and start your own business even if you're bootstrapping at the beginning you do kind of need assistance with some of the things that you're not very good at so outsourcing for for me outsourcing was was a game changer so i know that i'm terrible at admin i know i'm terrible at finance so i outsource those things very very early on to people who are capable and actually can advise me on on those things um so yeah it's it's just just one of those um those things for anybody who's who's running a business if you work out early on what you're good at and what you're not so good at and delegate those things it really helps don't try and do payroll and accounting when you really don't know how to do it because it's not fun
0: (laughs) I guess in some ways that's what franchising is right you pay the franchise fee or, or, or the managed service fees or royalties or whatever people want to call them that's just outsourcing the whole kind of operational side of it isn't it having a website up and running and having an email account and whatever else it is that you need the branding the marketing and uh it just leaves you to get on with what you're
1: yeah want to do or what you're
0: good at doing you know
1: so true and it gives you such a good it, it gives you a really nice loyal workforce But it's their business, you know, so they're really invested. They really want to succeed and they really want to impress. They want to impress you as a franchise. So it's really it's 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 a lovely way to run a business. And I'm really glad I did it because I've got an awesome team around me now. They're just fab Um, and they get it. You know, it's been a really tough year for us, but they get the brand and they get our journey. And we've got so many exciting things coming and they're just all on board. So.
0: Well, I, th- I think you've got a, a, a strong mission statement or a, a strong why, you know, I've, I've heard you say it a few times before on, on social media and uh, not on Clubhouse yet, obviously, but, <laughs> but not for me anyway.
1: We'll
0: but, um, you know, your your mission in life is to save the high street, which I think is is really, um, you know, a strong statement, which I think a lot of people can get, can get on board with, you know. So my question for you is, how, how do you think the shape of What do you think the high street is going to look like in the future and how are you gonna how are you trying to have an impact to to get it to there
1: well do you know very interestingly we we had a clubhouse room about this yesterday and you know my my views on it is that it needs to be more accessible the councils need to help to to get people onto the high street um in terms of making making it more accessible for, for things like parking um bus services, you know, park and ride, all of those are are gonna be really key. But the main thing is making the high street a destination that people wanna come to. So things like experiences, you know, people are never gonna get tired of of trying on clothes, but you need to make it more exciting. You know, the personal shoppers of the world, you know, they they could really help with this. Um, Things like um, having activities and pop-up shops, things that make the high street different and interesting so it's ever-changing you know there are thousands and thousands of empty units on the high street at the moment and it is it's really sad you walk you walk along and you think do you know what the the rates of these of these units are, are one of the things that put off having small businesses but there are loads of nice initiatives like um, I know Debenham's in in Portsmouth, the old Debenham site. they've basically opened it up and it's kind of like an indoor market for small businesses. And there are lots of cool things being done around the country, which are similar. Um, but actually making making the high street somewhere that people want to go, um, you know for things like cinemas, you know you, you'll never be able to have that cinema experience at home unless you're a multimillionaire in which case yeah fine but you know people like you and me we're, we're never going to have that cinema experience so it's always going to be somewhere that we want to go you know we're always going to want to go bowling we're going to we're going to want to go to a soft place so you know things like having soft plays in in shopping centers brilliant you know yeah. if you can make mm-hmm. it so that they've got childcare even better um you know who doesn't want to go and do their shopping and drop their kids off for a couple of hours to get looked up looked after by someone else i know that there is a huge market for that so if anyone's listening do it it's, yeah. you know i would pay a fortune
0: I, I think um, the important thing that you're you're saying here with all this is it It needs to be an experience right
1: yeah 100
0: the shopping that was the experience in the past is no longer our experience anymore we're with we, no. our experience for shopping is now online because it's easier, isn't it? In, in many ways,
1: yeah. I mean, but Amazon, Amazon and online shopping, not the devil. Um, you know, I think we would all be really foolish to say, Oh, we never shop with Amazon. We hate Amazon. Cause actually Amazon do support loads of small businesses, authors, makers, you know, product sales. They are actually a really, really good supporter of small businesses. So let's not rule them out completely Um, But there are, you know, there are other options. You know, the My VIP card website is a one-stop shop for you to go and find local discounts. We're actually just about to change our model so that absolutely anybody can sign up for free to get access to independent local retail discounts. So it's a really, really good way for people to be able to save money and shop local. Um, Of course, we do have, you know, a, a paid option where you get access to our exclusive discounts, um, high street discounts you know popular retailers and we do do um gift vouchers um, and cash back for places like amazon argos just the you know the retail kind of side um and of course the employee benefits as well um you know it's employers need to be say doing their bit to help the community around them and that involves helping the high street as well
0: yeah definitely and and obviously you're, you're speaking to a lot of the the high street brands and, and probably know know better than most people so Um, do you see many franchises on the high streets?
1: There are loads and and actually again um, it's really really tough because so many people have got in their minds don't go to Starbucks, don't go to Costa, you know they are the devils, these horrible massive conglomerates, they might be big businesses but they are owned by small people, you know small business owners who just want to buy into something that works you know it's a tried and tested model and that's the great thing about franchising you know that if you buy into a franchise it's going to work because you've got that backing but what people don't understand and this is why I'm really passionate about helping to support the franchise industry is that people don't get that you know the person who runs your local Starbucks you know they're probably a family man you know they've, they've got bills to pay they've got a, they've got mouths to feed. so don't boycott them um, you know don't boycott them just because they are the big guys and um, share the love and that's what that's what my mission's all about it's about supporting small independent businesses it's about supporting franchises and it's about supporting the high street as a whole because with Arcadia and Debenhams going under you know it's it's really important that we keep the big guys on the high street because they're the ones that attract the small guys they're the ones that make space for for these for these other businesses to get seen and they bring in the crowds so it's important to support the high street as a whole and share the love
0: yeah it's a nice statement i like that so back to to your your business then and, and how you you grew it um why why go through franchising yourself rather than employing staff you know you could employ staff to to, to take different territories and, and build it up this way so why why look to franchise
1: for me, it was about empowering people to run their own business. Um, you know, I love running my own business, and I'm super passionate, as you can tell, about supporting small independent businesses. And I don't want to pay people to have that feeling. I want people to have that feeling and go and grow themselves. And that's why franchising works for me because it it gives people like you and me the opportunity to go and start their own business. And you know, they may not do it forever. They may do it for three years, they may do it for five years, but it helps them and it gives them those, those foundations to, to go and be successful at something else. Um, you know, we are actually looking at a bit of a hybrid model. So we've got 23 franchisees now, we've got 45 territories because we've grown so fast. We're looking now at taking on some kickstart people um, to come and, to come and run some franchise territories as well build them up for us so that we can then sell them as kind of like effectively kind of grown areas to to people who want to get involved
0: okay so it sounds like you're pushing all, all the all the boundaries on, on what franchising is and trying to find uh different different routes to I make don't think this success BSA for everyone gonna
1: like me much sorry <laughs> um yeah I, I don't um I don't do things by the book and I am a bit naughty when it comes to things, you know, traditional franchising is brilliant. You know, I am 100% all over the tradition, the traditional franchise model. It's not for me. It doesn't suit my business, but it doesn't mean to say that we can't be a franchise and we can't push the boundaries and do things a bit differently. You know, businesses are are adapting. COVID has changed the world. And, you know, I think people who will stay stuck in their ways and and not be as interested in it. I think there are. There, there, are, there are definitely pros to to breaking the mold um you know some of the more traditional franchise organizations probably won't like what i'm doing but do i care to a certain extent no because i'm helping the high street i'm helping small businesses and i'm empowering people to run their own business
0: yeah i guess you don't yeah. necessarily have to label it so so much do you it's it's more about uh achieving your mission right Your uh, your it mission is. statement is is just what you're staying true to not the labels that other people put on your business. So that's quite interesting. Exactly. That's interesting. So what what would you say has been the, the toughest thing in your journey so far to building this business?
1: COVID. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's weird though, because although it's been a very, very difficult year for us, it's actually been our best year yet. Uh, we, we doubled our turnover. We, um, we crowdfunded um, to, to kind of save ourselves at, at the beginning um, but actually, we, we had excess money which we ploughed into supporting other local businesses around us. Um, we've gone nationwide, so we've now got 45 territories across the UK. Um, as I said before, t- 23 franchises, and we're, we're growing daily. Um, in, in fact, we're, we're getting so many franchise requests that we've kind of had to park them for a bit because we've got a crowdfunding campaign launching where we're, we're selling equity in the business, which is quite exciting. Um, there's just so much going on you've got a new website launching a new app so and um, COVID's definitely been really hard for us I think um, being a tech business and kind of bootstrapping it myself has been has been tough but we found some really great investors who are you know really keen on our mission who who really want to help us so um, yeah it, it, I think getting the right people in the team as well you know I've got a fantastic operations manager and and as a as a franchise she deals with sort of the day-to-day operations of the franchise so that really helps because I'm I'm very much focused on the forefront and going out and winning new business and collaborations and partnerships and, and all that kind of stuff so um, yeah, I, I would suggest for for any for any franchise that's looking to grow, if you don't have an operations manager or someone who looks after your franchisees, do it. It's the best decision you'll make.
0: I, I was going to ask you how have, how have you found um, you know not so much managing but working with the the franchise partners, but it, it sounds like somebody else does that for you. <laughs> You've outsourced it. No,
1: I mean I I do all of our training. So we do okay. we do week, weekly weekly training sessions. We do um, also as well. I'm really really hot on employee well they're not really employees but like the franchise experience um for me you know we we specialize in employee engagement on our employee benefits side so we have to practice what we preach so it's all about making sure that they're engaged making sure that they're happy and giving them the training that they need the support that they need i am always open on messenger to any of my franchisees at any time and i'll always have a call with them so they know that they can get me um which i think is really nice but Nicola deals with all of the, you know, the day-to-day stuff, like the one-to-ones and things. And then if there's any problems, she passes them to me. So I'm still very, very much involved, um, but I have assistance.
0: Yeah, that's cool. So how, how have you found building the business with, um, with young children? So I, I know yeah, it's tough myself. I've got, I've got a couple of young kids downstairs that, uh, you know, I, I don't know how they're staying quiet at the moment, but they are. So I, I know it's a real challenge
1: I locked just mine in the, the shed. No, I didn't. Know it <laughs> oh, the in the
0: shed.
1: But um, no, and and actually, the I think the the big bonus last year was incredibly tough. So my, my husband's a key worker. I I actually during lo- during the first lockdown, I dislocated my shoulder. Oh. Um, it was a, a very very clumsy stairgate related accident where I basically just fell over the top of a stairgate shoulder first and and oh. really did myself quite a, quite a damage. Um, so that was really tough because my husband's a key worker he's he was going out every day so I had the kids on my own every single day with a dislocated shoulder so that was very difficult um, my daughter she turned she turned uh, one in February last year and she just started walking so without you know with the ab- absence of things like soft plays um, she learned to climb on other things so <laughs> I had to have eyes in the back of my head every single day Um but do you know what we we just got on with it we did it and you know the world's the world's become a lot more accustomed to having kids on zooms and kids in the background and it, I just got on with it and rather than using my children as, as a sort of an, an excuse not saying that people do that because it, it is really tough um but I just I worked around them I worked in the evenings I worked when they napped um it was it was just kind of a, a case of juggling and for for zooms that I could do, where I knew where I knew people would be really accepting of having children, I just made sure that I prioritised those for when the kids were awake, and when they're asleep, I just you know I, I burned out really badly. Not going to lie, it was a horrendous horrendous time. Um, and this time, I'm just really glad that my childminder just turned around and said to me. James is a key worker, you can send them to me if you want. I was like, yes, I will. (laughs) So so I've managed to to get some some childcare. I mean, I'm I'm still homeschooling in the afternoons because I I can't drop my parental responsibilities to to just focus on the business. Um, But at the end of the day, I don't feel guilty about it because I'm building something which is gonna help them to have a better future. You know if my five-year-old misses out on seven or eight weeks of school um I don't think it's going to do him a huge amount of damage
0: yeah I think people need to go easy on themselves you know they're,
1: they do. they're, they're not they do. And they're
0: not a teacher you know and they no, haven't got the time the that teachers, a teacher does
1: my god the teachers are doing the best job um you know I, I speak to, to Ben's teacher on a, on a weekly basis and do you know what she's just happy with what I'm doing she knows I'm not doing everything that i should be doing and and that's the thing the teachers are told by the government they have to do this um, but actually a lot of them disagree with it um, so i i think you know sweeping statement i don't want to say you know all teachers think that homeschooling's is a bad idea but i think they understand especially if you've got young children and you're trying to run a business what the juggles and what the stresses are so i think it's it's really important that you don't put that pressure on yourself if you don't have to
0: yeah that's very true and and sometimes it's um it's better to try and reflect and and focus on the the positives of having having the kids there sometimes yeah um, I, I know I've really enjoyed having lunch with the kids you know yeah it can be stressful but at least I'm getting to spend that that time with them um yeah. you know where, where I wouldn't do normally so um so yeah I've I think you've just got to do what's what you think is best don't you rather than trying to live up to other people's expectations this, all the time this is the
1: thing you know and, and and there's so many pressures out there for parents as well you know you must be the best at this you must do this you must do that don't just focus on what you do your circumstances are so much you know they're they're your personal circumstances and they're always going to be different to everybody else's don't run your life based on the, the opinions of others ever
0: yeah it's really true so I'm going, to, I'm going to ask you another question about your, your kind of career as a whole now. So I, I like to try and find stories that are interesting or funny or strange. So I'm wondering if you've got any stories you can share with me that are, are slightly different from your career, either with me, my VIP or before that.
1: Oh, yeah. There's, but there, there have been, um, gosh, when you when you work in recruitment, there's always horrendous amounts of drunken stories that you can tell because it, it's a very, very buoyantly <laughs> boozy industry so yeah I've, I've had had my fair few um drunken misdemeanors um so many different um stories I could tell there um they are very 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 private though and I think yeah. actually people need to need to drop me a message if they want to hear those they I, I'm happy to tell them but they're too rude for this podcast um <laughs> I don't know um there's there, there have been some some interesting things that have happened I, I don't think actually I've had a particularly funny career. I think um, things have just kind of fallen into place for me, which has, has been really nice. I mean, there have been some, some not so nice moments that I've had. Um, I actually, my my first ever job um, that I was, I was in for quite some time, I ended up um, leaving because my boss um, sent an email around to my team calling me fat, um, which wasn't very oh, nice. Um, That's not cool. I sold my story to a magazine though, so. I made made 150 quid from it um yeah I I don't think I I haven't really got any funny career stories I don't think
0: no well don't worry I won't push you on that I don't I know what recruitment's like so I won't we won't go there on that one but um okay well look I think we're we're probably coming to, to the end of the conversation so I just wanted to ask you one more thing and that was um what advice would you give to somebody who's maybe thinking about joining a franchise um, regardless of what it is whether it's one of the big ones or smaller ones is there any advice that you would give somebody
1: yeah do your research and, and make sure that the franchise that you pick is right for you because there are so many amazing ones out there Um, don't and, and don't just look in your sector you know there are plenty of really really good franchises that are um, you know, take the, take the children's sector, for example. You know, a lot of the children's franchises, you don't need experience to join. You just need the right attitude and love for kids. So um, I, would, I would investigate the market and you know, see what's out there. Um, I'm really excitingly actually gonna be launching um, a, a place, a, a part of my VIP card where franchises can actually advertise their franchises for people to, to go and browse. Um, with a my VIP card discount, so I think that's going to be quite exciting.
0: Cool, yeah, interesting. Well, I, th- I think you're you're right there that uh, there's so much variety out there, and you don't have to have experience in that sector to do it. Um, so no, yeah, just think about what your values are, what 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 you're going to enjoy, and go for that one, yeah. or go for that sector, or go for that type of 100%. business. Hundred
1: percent, and you know, we we don't take um people people who who come and work with us don't need any experience in anything. You know, all they need is to be passionate about shopping local passionate about supporting small businesses um, and we're a really affordable franchise to get involved with so um, if, if anyone is interested do pop me a message
0: perfect maddie thank you so much for your time it's been a pleasure speaking with you and thank you Thanks, for sharing it's the been stories lovely stories
1: have you. yeah really really nice to be involved thank you so much for having me
0: awesome take care thank you bye bye So there we go. That was my conversation with Maddie Alexander-Grout of My VIP Card. Maddie really showed a lot of passion for helping people, I think from an early part in her career and until present day, of course. But I think it evolved over the years with a, a different focus and a different way of helping people. But ultimately, it's always been the passion that she's shown throughout the whole of her business. And My VIP Card in particular, seems to have really, really empowered Maddie to go out there and make a difference in the world and you can see she's got the, the, the energy and drive to go out there and find whatever solution she needs to find to, to, to help the high street, to help people, to help small businesses, to become successful and to feel that same success that she's feeling right now and I think as a, a franchisor that's a really good thing to see. But also just as a a leader for people to follow, it must be um, quite inspiring for people to see somebody who's gone out there managing kids and building a business, uh, building a nationwide business and and doing it successfully as well. And the model that she has with a franchising business was quite interesting too. So part uh, buying, part renting, and paying off that that amount later on down the line. I think in in today's world it makes sense to have that flexible option for people so it's quite interesting to see that it's, it's slightly different to most other franchise models but um, yeah it, it'd be one to keep an eye on and see how it goes in terms of building your own business though I think that something that was really important there with with my conversation with Maddie was that she tried to start her own recruitment business and despite being a very successful recruiter herself, in the past winning awards, she struggled to build her own business because just because you're good at doing something doesn't mean you're good at business or good at building your own business and it sounds like she made a few key mistakes there in the early days by uh, having operational costs that were beyond her earnings at the time or beyond the profit margins that she could generate for herself so um, Good piece of advice there. Don't go out there and buy purple chairs before you've before you've got some clients. The the other thing that I thought was really interesting was outsourcing. Um, so don't just rely on yourself to do everything as and when you can. Outsource and find the right people to do the job because if if you're not capable of doing it or you you don't have the passion or desire to do it yourself, you're not going to do it as well. And that business that you're building might not might not turn out so well, so um, I, 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 it really twigged something in my mind to make me think, actually, that's what franchising is this is exactly what franchising is and outsourcing um, some of those tasks so you can focus on the core passion that you have but uh, anyway, that's that's probably enough waffle from me so thank you very much for, for listening to this episode hopefully you've got some real value out of it I know I've certainly come away with um, Uh, some inspiration for the the drive and passion that maddie shows so um thank you very much again for listening take care and if you enjoyed please share with other people hit subscribe and we'll catch you on the next one thank you